0: I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number 4, Ephesians chapter number 4, Ephesians chapter number 4, I am thankful for the church, aren't you? I'm a local church man to the core, and uh, I believe in the local church. I've been blessed by the local church. And I believe that the hope of America is in its churches. And, oh, may God speak to us and help us in this vital hour in which we live. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that we should let our light shine in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation. And we live in a crooked and perverse nation that has turned its back upon God. And uh, the light, the city that is set on a hill, is the church of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, and we are here to bear witness of that light. We're in Ephesians chapter number 4 this morning. I, I want us to look at beginning in verse number 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering forbearing bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ let's pray together our father we thank you for your rich blessings upon us we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together on this 78th anniversary of our church and we praise you for all that you have done uh, through the ministry of your church and all that you're doing throughout this nation throughout this world today on the Lord's Day through the ministry of your church your body And in this local assembly, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be a part of your work here in this area and to reach our community and our world with the gospel. We thank you for the salvation that we have, the hope that we have, the future that we have, and the help that we have in your word and by your spirit and so we ask today that you would speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice the, the language the Apostle Paul uses here. He says in verse number one, he speaks of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Uh, literally, you could say here the calling wherewith ye are called. Uh, a vocation is not just an occupation. It's more than that. It is a place of service where one spends his time and his energy because not, not simply because, rather, that he applied for the job and there was an opening and he happened to get it. It means much more than that. It means that there is a pressing upon him. There is an internal call which comes from a heavenly source in this context, that someone would enter into a vocation to give their lives in that vocation to serve others. We have been called by God. What a glorious vocation He's given us. Uh, all, Nearly all, I would imagine, of the people in this room who are adults or in... Uh, up above high school years and beyond, have been involved in an occupation. But we have a vocation. And we need to understand that the church is is not something that we just uh, sort of uh, hover around like butterflies around a plant and every once in a while we visit it. The church is what God has called us to because he has called us to himself, he has called us to his church. And as his church, his body, uh, we are to walk in a manner that is worthy of the vocation, the calling wherewith we have been called. We have spoken about our church anniversary. We uh, understand most of us how this church began if you're new maybe you haven't heard the story but an evangelist named George Cooper in 1941 came to Hickory with a gospel tent he put the tent up he had some people there who helped him and he began to preach the gospel and people began to be saved and uh, there were uh, services uh, at the gospel tent out of that tent revival there were people who saved who who came to know the Lord and wanted to follow Christ and they began to have meetings and they uh, began to formulate or for, for, uh, become together as a church and uh, they they met in a tabernacle uh, and then eventually moved to an auditorium and then to this auditorium I think our church has moved at least three times in in the course of its history, and uh, all of these years, the Tabernacle Baptist Church has existed to preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to reach into our community with, with that message, to teach believers to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to observe all things that he's commanded. That is our purpose, that that is the vocation, that that is the calling that God has placed upon us. And if you are here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, He has called you to Himself and He has called you to this vocation. It It is more than just something you decide to do, it is something that you cannot escape. Because the Holy Spirit of God has drawn you to himself and he has impressed upon your heart that you are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you serve him in the context of the local New Testament church. The church is not just an organization, although it is, it is an organism. And this organism is his body. And this organism is to function, to carry out the work that he himself began both to do and to teach, and we find that in the book of Acts. And so here we are continuing in this vocation. And here's the question, after 78 years, how are we as a church going to stay on course? Notice what he says here in verse number 1. He says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus, beseech you that ye walk worthy." We find uh, throughout the remainder of this chapter, looking uh, or throughout the remainder of this epistle, looking chapter five and verse two, he says, "Walk in love." Uh, we find also in verse fifteen, he says, "Walk circumspectly." Uh, we find. That here we are walking; we're on course. This church is on a course, and uh, if we measured our steps in years, we've we've taken seventy-eight steps. As we think about the future, are we going to stay on course? Are we going to walk worthy of this vocation? Are we going to walk in a fashion that pleases God as a local New Testament church? And I want you to consider some things as we, as we think about this thought, staying on course. I want you to notice three things. First of all, if we're going to stay on course, we must be unified. If we're going to stay on course, we must be unified. Notice, if you would please, in verse number two, as he begins to speak to us about this worthy walk and Staying on course, he says, We're to do it, verse 2, with all lowliness mark that word, lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then notice the emphasis in verse 4 there is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we understand that here we see that we are to be unified. If we're going to stay on course as a church, if Tabernacle Baptist Church is going to walk worthy of this vocation that God has called us to, then we must be unified. Now, if we're going to be unified, we find what the requirements are for unity and I want you to note them with me. First of all, we note the word lowliness. Notice verse 2, with all lowliness. Not with a little bit of lowliness, with all lowliness. Now, the word lowliness speaks of humility. It speaks of humility. And if a group of believers who have joined themselves together to carry out God's work, to fulfill this vocation that he has called us to, then if we're going to be unified, it requires humility and lowliness on our parts. The opposite of lowliness, of course, we think about is pride. It's arrogance. The Bible says that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. You know, when we begin to think about ourselves more highly than we ought to think, We are thinking in a fashion that is opposite of lowliness. It's totally opposite of lowliness. You see, we spend so much time talking about what we believe and we should. But the way that we behave should reflect what we say that we believe. The way that we live our lives should reflect what we say we believe about the Word of God. And Christian people are not just people who've punched their ticket to heaven because they've tipped their hat to God. No, they're people who've been born again. They're people who have the Spirit of God in them. They're people whose lives have been fundamentally changed. They've been made new creatures because the Holy Spirit of God now inhabits them. They do not rule their own lives. They have submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as they live their lives, they are to live in a way that reflects the person of the Lord Jesus, and they are to live in a way that pleases Him. And so he says you have to be unified. If you're going to stay on course as a church, you've got to be unified. And that requires humility, lowliness, that all of us would understand that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We are to be made low, and we are to humble ourselves. Who are we? I want to tell you who we are. We are sinners saved by grace. We did not earn our favor with God. We did not earn merit with God. He did not save us because of our good looks or because of our winsome personality. He did not save us because of of the fact that he thought, well, I've got to have that guy in my kingdom because he can really help me out. No, he saved us by his grace. Grace is unmerited favor. There is nothing that we can do to earn favor with God. We are total recipients of his grace, and therefore we are to humble ourselves. We are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But oh, how a church can get off course When people are lifted up in pride, that can derail a church. You know, uh, pride, the Bible says, is the source of contention. In fact, it's the only source of contention. Only by pride cometh contention. You see, when we elevate ourselves, when we get to thinking about ourselves Uh, when it's all about us and it's not about him and it's not about others, it's simply about us, then comes contention and disagreement and fighting and strife in a church family. And may God help us as a church family to be unified, to stay on course. And if that's going to happen, it requires lowliness, humility. Here's another thing it requires. It requires meekness, meekness. Uh, this, this speaks of an inward grace of the soul. A meekness is an inward grace of the soul. And who puts that in us? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us aren't naturally meek. We have to yield to the Spirit of God. We're not naturally lowly. We're not naturally humble. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we yield to God. But this meekness, it speaks of an inward grace of the soul. Calmness toward God in particular, it is the acceptance of God's dealings with us, considering uh, them, his dealings with us, as good in that they enhance the closeness of our relationship with him. That's what the word meek means. It means that when God deals with us through circumstances, through trials. When God deals with us, we have a calmness of the soul, a grace about us that accepts what God does in our lives. Do we believe God is sovereign? Do we believe that God is in control? Well, that'll help you when the boss doesn't treat you right. That will help you when you're disappointed. That will help you when your spouse doesn't respond to you correctly or your children don't respond to you correctly or your parents don't respond to you correctly or when your church family doesn't respond to you correctly. And you wonder, why does it seem like everything is going wrong? Then here's where we understand who we belong to. We belong to God. And we understand that God is sovereign in our lives. He is in control, and he is dealing with us in a way that is not to damage or harm us. I know the thoughts, he said in Jeremiah, that I think towards you, thoughts of pleasantness and peace to bring you to an expected end. God is not trying to harm you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called, there's that word again, according to his purpose. God has a purpose and plan for our lives, and we can graciously accept how it is that God deals with us, even when it's difficult, even when we do not understand it. That's meekness. That's meekness. Here's another word, long-suffering. You see, if we're going to be unified, we have to be humble. We can't be full of ourselves, and we have to be meek. We can't be always resisting God, always upset about what God is doing, always dissatisfied and discontented about our situation. And then he says long-suffering. This speaks of forbearance. It speaks of self-restraint before proceeding to action. You know, when something goes wrong... (laughs) or somebody offends you, and you're ready to respond, you're ready to act, you're ready to deal with them. This speaks of self-restraint before proceeding to action. The quality of a person who is able to avenge himself yet refrains from doing so. You see, we must be patient with people, and we have to endure trying circumstances. That's what this word long-suffering means. When you have a number of people in a church family together and serving God together, you have different ideas and different methodologies and different preferences and different thoughts and different personalities and different ways of phrasing things. Just different people. And when you get all those people together, sometimes those people as they're serving and working, they they cause friction, not, not even intentionally sometimes. And if we're going to deal with one another and move forward as a church family, we have to be committed to this thought of unity, and that requires long-suffering on our part. Not everybody is as mature as you. Not everybody is as mature as you'd like for them to be, and maybe you're not as mature as you need to be. You see, we're all in a process of growth. We're not all totally sanctified yet. We're all growing We're all developing in our walk with Jesus Christ. We're all in a process of learning the truths of his word. We're all learning to submit to the Holy Spirit and what that life is really all about. It's new to a lot of us. And some of us have struggles that others don't have. And when you put all those people together and we're all working and moving together, sometimes there's friction. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, if I don't put some oil in my car, my engine's going to blow. And if you don't put the oil of the Holy Spirit in your life, your engine's going to blow. And when your engine blows, you might cause somebody else's to blow and derail the work of God in his church. And so if we're going to be unified, it requires lowliness or humility, it requires meekness, it requires long-suffering, and then it requires diligence. Notice again, verse number three. He says, forbearing one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit, endeavoring rather, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this call to be unified requires humility, meekness, long-suffering, and it requires diligence. It means I've got to I work at it. I've got to work at it. You know those people that you have to work at to get along with? I mean, you see them in the grocery store and you say, Oh no, I hope they didn't see me. Those person those people that, you know, you love them, but you don't want to go on vacation with them. You have to work at this. It requires a diligent effort. A diff a diligent effort. When there are disagreements that come among in families, you know, sometimes Sometimes children don't get along with their parents or children don't get along with their siblings and, and you have to have family meetings and family discussions and here's what we like to say. we're family. You're never going to change that. We are related by blood. You are brothers and sisters, parents and children and Yes, we have disagreements, but we understand something. We have to work at maintaining unity and harmony in our family. And it can be a challenge. But the Bible says that in that challenge, we are to be diligent. We are to endeavor. We are to do our best. Listen, don't be the kind of person who who likes to know all the problems of all the people and who likes to repeat them, and who likes to take sides, and who likes to pet people and go, poor you, poor you. I can't believe they did that to you. Poor you. Uh, that should have never happened. No, be a healer. Be, a, be someone who, who seeks to restore relationships and bring people together, not divide them. Endeavoring. Oh, listen, I'm sure that was a misunderstanding. I'm I'm sure that we can work through that. I'm, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit and the grace of God can help you beyond that hurt and that pain. That's the kind of speech we ought to be giving, not poor you speeches. Because we have to remember that we are not here just for ourselves. We are here because God has called us and we're to walk worthy of the vocation that he has called us to. And if we're going to stay on course then we must be unified. Let me give you the second thing. If we're going to stay on course, not only must we be unified, but we must be edified. We must be edified. That means we must be built up. We must be built up. That's what the word edify means. Notice, uh, if you would please, verse number 12. uh, The Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There you find the standard of what a church ought to be. You say, well, if we think about what a church ought to be, we, we think about... How, What the attendance ought to be. That's not the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we think about what a church ought to be, we think about the different ministries they offer. That does not reflect necessarily the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we think about a church, we think about all the programs they ought to have. That does not reflect the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What reflects the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? It is our spiritual maturity. It is our knowledge of him, and it is our conformity to him. In other words, do we behave in a way that reflects perfectly the image of Jesus Christ? He says that is the goal, friends, until we all come. Notice again in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, that means to a complete man, a mature man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who is it that we desire to measure up to as a church? We desire to measure up to the standard that Jesus Christ has established for his church. And it doesn't matter how large the congregation or how small the congregation, our goal is the same, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And if we're going to grow up and be edified into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we must be nourished by the truth of God's Word. And so we see here there is a call to be edified. Now, we see that we are edified through diversity. We're edified through diversity. Notice if you would please in verse number 7. But unto every one of us. Now who's he writing to? He's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to not only the church as a whole, but he's writing to the individual believers who make up that church. And this is what he's saying. He's saying unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, has imparted to us gifts, and we are to employ those gifts in serving Him. Let me tell you, there should be no unemployment in the work of God. Don't be content to just simply come and sit. Come and serve. The, the, the greatest joy and contentment and happiness you will ever experience is in serving the Lord. And God's church is a place where God's people ought to find a place of service. And so we find here that through our diversity, God gives us all different gifts. It is as God uniquely equips you, as you carry out your function, as you do the thing that God has called you to do and gifted you to do. And by the way, those aren't necessarily natural talents. Those are supernatural gifts that God gives you. They may not come naturally to you, but the work of the Spirit produces them in you. And because of that, you are able to contribute and to serve. And so God gives us all gifts that are to be employed, and as we employ the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then we can see our church come to maturity. Notice again, if you would please, let's look together uh, here in uh, this fourth chapter and verse number uh, 13. He says, "Till we all come.'" in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice verse 14, that we be no more children. God does not desire for us to act like little children. You know how little children act, right? I didn't get my way. And they pooch out their lip, and they... And you can't talk to them, and you can't comfort them, and you can't appease them because they're acting like little children, right? God says he doesn't want his children to act like little children. He wants them to grow and become mature. He says in verse 14 that we, be, <clears throat> that we henceforth, that's from this time forward, be no more children tossed to and fro. And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Now, here's what he's saying. Uh, People who act like children who have not grown up, who are not mature in Christ, they are moved and tossed to and fro. They're inconsistent. They're inconsistent. One day they're happy. And as long as they're getting what they want, they're happy. As soon as they don't get what they want, they're upset. One day they're here, the next day they're not. You know people like that, and so do I. In fact, if you're going to have a church, you can't have a church with people like that. I mean, you you can have a building, but you're not going to have a, a, a church that's functioning, serving God. You're not going to have a church that's walking worthy of the vocation. I've noticed something over the years, and and perhaps you've noticed it too, sometimes people are in in it for what they can get out of it. And when they don't perceive that they're going to get out of it what they expect, they get out of it totally. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, they're here with you as long as things are going their way, but when things aren't going their way, they're no longer here with you. And by the way, that is the mindset of modern-day America. That is the culture in which we live. And what we find in the modern church growth movement is people who are trying to help churches appease to that kind of a behavior. Listen, if you draw people in based on carnality and not on spirituality, then you will reproduce carnality. You will not reproduce spirituality. And so as the church of Jesus Christ... Our mission is to move forward with God and to grow unto maturity, to produce through the ministry of the Word people who know God and know God's truth who are not children affected by everything that comes and goes, affected by every mood swing, affected by every outcome, affected by every teaching that uh, may be new and, uh, or, or may be false, but they are people who are rooted and grounded, and built up, and become solid, mature Christians. If we're going to stay on course as a church, that's what we have to do. And if we just simply decide to act like children, then we'll never see God accomplish anything through our lives. And so it's a call to be edified. Let me give you the third thing. It's a call to be renewed a call to be renewed. If we're going to stay on course, we have to be unified, and we have to be edified, and then lastly, we have to be renewed. Notice, if you would, please, in chapter 4 and verse number 22, the Bible says here that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. The old man is simply language to describe the flesh. The old man is the unregenerated part of you. If you're a Christian today, that means you have the Holy Spirit living in you. That's the new man. That's Jesus. The old man is Adam. That's the flesh. That's the part that comes naturally. And so there is a battle going on in your life as a believer between the old man, the old nature, and the new man, the work of Christ in you, the power of the Holy Spirit and his desires. The Bible speaks of it this way in the book of Galatians. The flesh lusteth, resists, the Spirit, and the Spirit lusteth against, resists the flesh. There's a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And so here we find that if we're going to stay on course, we have to be renewed. Notice it again. Verse 22, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse 24, and that ye put on the new man. So here we're talking about being renewed, being renewed. I remember when we bought our house, the house that we currently live in, we went into the house and we saw that some work needed to be done. One of the major things that needed to be done were the floors. The floors desperately needed to be refinished. And uh, so we asked someone who, uh, to help us with our floors. And they came in and they sanded the floors and, and then they... Uh, refinished the floors and uh, we had to ask them to come in again the second time and 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 redo it because it it was really not done well and so after the second time we went in we looked at it we 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 weren't very very pleased with it to be honest with you Uh, but I didn't want to cause a problem a a contention and so uh, we just settled for it I was sitting there just the other day, looking at my floor, and we have five kids, two adults, a grandson, a son-in-law, and a dog. And I was looking at those floors, and I thought, they look pretty bad. And, and my wife, it troubles her all the time about those floors. She wants, them, she wants them redone. She wants them refinished. And one of these days, one of these days, it's going to happen. God willing, unless the Lord comes back first, please do, Lord. And <laughs> you see, I, I, I and I was looking at him, and I thought, man, it just looks awful. It's just scratched up, and part of the lacquer—I don't know what you call that stuff—the finish—it's in little spots. You know, it just—it looks like it's got leprosy. Sometimes, <laughs> you know what that floor needs. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be renewed. You know what we need? We just need to be renewed. We don't need to be born again for the second time. If you've been born again, it's only one time, and you must be born again. The Bible said if any man is in Christ, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You remember when you got that new house or you got that new car? How nice it looked. That floor, even though I never was really truly satisfied with it, it looked a whole lot better then than it does now. And it desperately needs to be renewed. Do you know what happens to my soul? It gets trampled upon. It gets dirtied. It gets filled with self and and, and it gets fil- filled with my old sin nature, that old man. It, it, it gets trampled on by that old man of the flesh. And I have to constantly work at keeping it renewed. We bought a Roomba not too long ago. You know what a Roomba is? It looks like a Frisbee. And it, ro- it rolls around your house. And it gets up the dog hair and the dirt and all the stuff, you know. And sometimes we'll run the Roomba. And it's amazing how the Roomba can do so well. But it's a constant process. If if you don't run the Roomba, it's not going to get clean. And then after you run the Roomba, then we're going to steam mop it. And even though it doesn't look that great, once we run the Roomba and we steam mop it, well, it looks well, it looks a lot better. At least we feel a lot better about it anyway. You see, what we have to do as Christians and what we have to do in our church, what we have to do is we have to constantly work at keeping ourselves clean and putting some polish on our soul and spending some time in the presence of Jesus, learning to put off the old man, learning to put on the new man. And it's not a once and for all, friend. It is a daily process. And if we as a church are going to stay on course, then we have to be renewed. We have to be renewed. We've got to be unified. We have to be edified. And we have to be renewed. And I want to stay on course, don't you? And may God help us this morning. Would you bow with me in prayer? Maybe the devil is working in your heart In contentious ways. Somebody. Has offended you. You can't even have a pleasant thought about that person. Why don't you humble yourself before a holy God today? Maybe you're upset with God's dealings in your life. You're disappointed with God. You're disappointed with people. Nobody can ever meet your expectations. Why don't you learn the lesson of meekness and come to the Lord today and understand that he is working in your life to bring bring you to himself. Why don't you be the person who says, I'm going to be diligent about endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray that God would help our church that we would continue to be unified, that we would continue to be edified, built up in the faith through the diversity, empowered and gifted by the Spirit unto maturity, that we would learn to behave like Christians ought to behave, to see the world as God sees it, and that we would be renewed, that we would, we would say, Lord, I'm coming to be cleaned. I'm, I'm coming to be renewed. I, I'm coming to be restored. I want to put off the old man and I want to put on the new. And I need to do it every day. Help me to begin again today. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org.